You've got to build credibility with yourself. You demand respect from other people, but why don't you demand respect from yourself? I've always been of the opinion that I have to earn my own respect because I expect that from other people. And doing these things, doing these someday projects, throwing yourself in the deep end or just doing what you say you're going to do is a very simple way of building credibility with yourself. If you're the kind of person that you say you're going to do things and you never actually end up doing it, if, you, if you're if you always telling yourself you're someday going to do something or you're telling yourself that you'll, you would love to do something, but then you're never doing it, that's building a lack of credibility with yourself. You know, that's telling yourself, hey, you're someone who says you're going to do a lot and never actually does anything. You're the kind of person that always talks about the things that they're going to do and never actually does that. How good do you reckon that's going to be for your confidence? And welcome back to episode 29 of the podcast. How is everyone this week? How's everyone's week been? I've had a uh, I've had a fantastic week this week. I just had a absolutely beautiful week. I um I don't know. I've I've been thinking a lot about this lately, and I've I've wrote an Instagram caption that you guys will probably see last night if you're watching this on Monday morning. If you follow me on Instagram, I know there are some of you who don't follow me on Instagram, and you found me purely through podcasting, but um. I just I was having a, a good think about things because I've I've kind of uh, if you've been following me uh, I've I've started working on my Photoshop course finally, which is something that I have been saying that I was going to do and something that to be fair to myself something I have actually been procrastinating but have been working on in the background for a while logistically working on I can't really justify the fact that I have been working on something it was just all ways of me working on it and feeling like I was making steps towards it without actually making any steps towards it so finally this week I kind of just got to my wits end as far as sitting back and letting it not happen because I've, I know I've wanted to do it for a while. I think I just needed the confidence to do it. And one of the things that I sort of really, uh, really paid attention to this week is, is the feeling that I'm, I'm having towards my work, the feeling that I'm getting towards everything that I'm doing and the feeling that I, you know, the way I, I guess you could call it morale towards stuff that I'm doing. And I think that this is probably quite common amongst a lot of creatives right now. It's either one or the other. I think that, and I'm going to speak about this a lot today, is uh, I think that there's a lot of people on one side of the fence, which is kind of that side where it's like, okay, I'm feeling completely unmotivated and stripped of everything that makes my work exciting. Um, and they're really struggling to get moving on things that they would otherwise find the motivation to do because of the excitement surrounding it. Um Whereas I think there's another group of people who are experiencing the exact opposite, whereas they feel like all of those exciting things, all of the excess that was with their job or accompanied their work, having all of that that excess distraction, I guess you could call it because that's kind of been the revelation that I've come to, having all that excess stripped away and just holding on to the like a very few essential things has kind of left a lot of people sitting kind of... Uh, more motivated and more inspired in their work than they've been in a long time. I think there's a lot of people who've kind of discovered that their why 
was stronger than they thought. They were just distracted by all of the the excess exciting parts of their job. For example, something with me is I I have always known this. I've always known that I function exceptionally well when I'm in a routine. And I've had people tell me, I, 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 I've had people tell me a lot that um, you're good at this life thing. Like you're good at sort of... Um, how can I say this without coming across as vain, but <laughs> you're good at this kind of scheduling and, and sort of looking at your life as if it were someone else's. Does that make sense? It's kind of like, for example, I, I have insomnia and I have a lot of issues sleeping. I get enough sleep, I do, but it's very, I have to be very disciplined around my sleep. I find it very difficult to get to sleep. And actually, unfortunately, for better or for for, for worse, it's 100% worse. But I, um, every so often, and don't be concerned because this is something that only happens very infrequently, but let's say once every three months or once every two months, I just won't sleep for a full probably 48 hours because my insomnia will just take over. And because I've gotten so used to that, rather than kind of letting that be something that really damages my week or really damages me, I kind of instantly jump to this is why that happens. This is what I need to change. And that's why I kind of my habits around reading, my habits around screen time and all those sort of things and, and my work and how I'm, I'm very disciplined by the fact that my work is between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. You know, obviously, I'll, I'll push it back a little bit. I might even post on Instagram or little things like that after 5 p.m. But generally, I try to be very strict with my time and very defensive of that time. And uh, it happened this week. This week on, I think it was Wednesday night. Uh, I was having an amazing week and I know what happened. I know what happened. I uh, I just was so excited about working on the course. I was editing one of the course modules uh, or one of the walkthroughs, sorry. And I got to 6 p.m. and I was like, okay, you need to stop working. 7 p.m. rolled around. Okay, you need to stop working. 9 p.m. rolled around. Okay, we're still here. 10, 11. And all of a sudden it was midnight and I was sitting staring at my computer and rather than giving myself the proper downtime to sort of go back and, and figure out what I was doing or or plan to sleep, I just sort of closed my laptop and jumped straight into bed. And I know, I, I have always known, I've known for years as I've had this, that I require a very strict schedule for my mind to comfortably calm down and go to sleep. <laughs> like things like reading, drinking tea, staying away from screens, journaling, are all amazing things. The worst thing I can possibly do is work straight up to bedtime and then go straight to my head hitting pillow. It was literally staring at a screen, laptop closed, head hit the pillow. And I knew it was going to happen, but yeah, I did not sleep that night. And it wasn't for a lack of trying. It was It was just I didn't sleep. And I'm used to it. I am used to, uh, you know, when these things happen, when these this stuff comes up, uh, I'm also much, I also cope with it a lot better now because I I used to get it when I had my full-time personal training job. And when you get back from work at 9 p.m. and you have to be at work at 4 and you're staring at the ceiling at 2 o'clock in the morning, it, it's a stressful situation. But I always knew, I was like, oh, well, I'll just wait to fall asleep. And then if I fall asleep, I'll just sleep in in the next morning because I can. But uh, I just didn't sleep that night. And one of my friends uh, told me, because I, I told her and she was like, oh, it, it, like what happened? What happened? And I just laid out the laundry list of things that I know I need to do or things that I know 
help me in those situations. And she was like, you're, you're really on top of this sort of stuff. And it's something that I've always known is that my, I work really, really well in a routine. And I think the thing that kind of comes with, and this, this comes with any job, I'm sure there's, there's the, the excess, the exciting things. I think one of them for me is, is a big one's travel. You know, I almost feel a, I almost feel a, a responsibility to travel because I feel like I have that opportunity you know, where, you know, part of having followers on Instagram is, is that everyone kind of accept, expects you to use it to get free stuff. <laughs> and one of those things is free travel. And, you know, from the outside looking in, that sounds like an exceptionally great thing. And it sounds like something that I would be all over. I'd be trying to get as much of it as I can. But I think that one of the things I've noticed this year, especially is I love travel, but I want to pay for it myself because I want those moments to be special and I also want to, them to be, um, uh, I, I, I want to, uh, I want to know what that's worth because I want to have it planned into my time. Does that make sense? Because I think that the thing I, I noticed a lot is that when you're being pulled in a million different directions, it's impossible to hone in on your why and understand what you're doing. So for this year, for example, I've been left to nothing but my routine. All I have now is I don't have any of my clients coming and, and pulling me in that direction. I don't have any of the desire to travel, even though it's still there. I'm still I'm still I'm still getting location envy on all the people around Europe and stuff who are pretty much back to normal at the moment, traveling full time. My friend Kyle, <laughs> Kyle Velez, who was living in Melbourne up until March, uh, moved back to France. But thankfully, I'm so glad that he did because it was just a stressful situation to be over here with his girlfriend and, and family over there and, and all sorts of stressful situations that were kind of outside of his control. So I'm so glad that he went back, but I'm also incredibly jealous at the fact that he's traveling the world. But because all of those things have kind of been stripped of me, I've had to resort back to my why and understanding why I do this and understanding what parts of it are actually important to me. And I think that that's kind of uh, left me with a lot of answers to questions that I was probably asking myself last year, and I and I cannot cannot tell you how motivated and inspired I am by my work at the moment. It's probably the most inspired and most motivated I've been in a very long time. You know, not only because of you know we're up to what twenty nine episode twenty nine on a podcast that I started in April. Did I start this podcast in April? Like it's been. That alone is something that I'm incredibly proud of, <laughs> incredibly proud of. And you guys have heard me say this, but you know, the fact that I've committed to something for 29 weeks in a row, I think is awesome um, because I'm going to be honest, I didn't think I could. <laughs> I did not think I could. And I get like, the more I do it, the less the idea of stopping is a possibility. It's kind of like, this is, this just gets easier and easier to do every single week I do it. And I think that that's kind of something that you guys can take is if there's anything you're finding difficult just commit to doing it and it will get easier to do it. Um, but on top of that, it's just the, you know, something like the Photoshop course that I'm putting together that I will speak about because that's awesome. I'm super excited about it. But something like the Photoshop course has kind of proven to me that um, when I set my mind to something and when I rid myself of the distractions and when I focus on the things that are actually important, then the things that I know I need to do inevitably float to the surface. 
inevitably become really obvious and prevalent in my mind and how to execute on them and actually executing on them becomes far, far simpler. It doesn't become any easier. It definitely doesn't become any easier. One of the, you know, I, I, I've had an incredibly busy week last week. I think I filmed almost six or seven hours worth of content last week and I've edited, you know, almost half of it already. Um, you know, I'm not even close to finishing the the full extent of the course and and I, I know how much work's ahead of me. I, I've witnessed how much work is behind me. It doesn't make it any easier to do it, but it makes it far more obvious um, that that's something that you need to do. So I don't know how I'm going to sort of blend this into being worthwhile. I had just kind of started right off the bat with this rant uh, this week, but I don't know. I've just been feeling super fucking inspired. I'm sorry to swear, but you know, you know how it is. Um, I'm, I've just been feeling really inspired and really motivated and I cannot help because, you know, you guys listen to this podcast. There's only one way that I was going to be capable of making 28 because obviously I did the episode with Kyle, 28 solo podcast episodes all over 45 minutes in length is if I'm someone who just looks a little too deeply on things that aren't that deep. And this is probably just another situation where I'm like, I'm feeling inspired and motivated just by pure chance. And I'm sort of looking deeper into it than it actually needs to be. But I like that. I like that about myself is that I, you know, I think you guys are probably the same. If you're listening to this podcast, there has to be a certain element of you that's similar to me, at least in some extent. So, uh, you know, I like that like that about myself it's been an awesome week here in melbourne beyond uh the the course that i'm making and beyond this podcast uh the weather has been horrific but it was nice you know still this week um my training was great uh restrictions seem like they're starting to at least look like easing a little bit so our case numbers have stayed pretty high unfortunately or not pretty high they were at 12 today but we need them to be at five uh, but they've said that they're pretty uh, content on reopening at least a little bit next week still, even though the case numbers aren't going to be what they wanted them to be, which is exciting news because it seems like the tail end of this is kind of way more stubborn than people were thinking it was going to be or that the health uh, team was thinking it was going to be. So that's always exciting to know. That's always a little bit of pressure off. I, I caught up for and all my Melbourne friends, I need to recommend you do this because this was just so, so nice. I went and had boozy a boozy picnic <laughs> with a bunch of friends uh, legally <laughs> last Friday or this Friday, and that was so nice to do. I hadn't seen those guys in in since the small break in lockdown, but before that, I think I've seen them once since March, which is just crazy to think. Like friends that I would normally see every weekend, I've seen once this entire year. Uh, which is terrifying, but yeah, that's uh, that's about it. <laughs> Book club. I've uh, I got back into my reading this week, and I finished "Can't Hurt Me" by David Goggins, and it's honestly, I I have to be. It's definitely in my top ten. It's going to be in my top five books for this year, but I think it's going to remain at least in my top 10. It is such a powerful read. Admittedly, I am definitely into a lot of that sort of stuff. Uh, There was a small period of time where I 
thought about joining the military, in particular the uh, a branch of special forces here in Australia. There was times where I was really, really interested in, in doing that, partly because I didn't know what I was going to do with my life, and that seemed like a viable option. But secondarily, 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 is that a word? I believe so. Uh, but also because it's something that really interests me. Challenging myself is something that I've always been really fascinated by, and I, I was working at the time with someone who had done that in the past, and so admittedly, a lot of you know the, the ultra marathons that he does, the triathlons, a lot of his story around the military, obviously I can't relate to a lot of the stuff that he talks about when he was younger, but that builds the foundation of the no excuse mentality that this book kind of carries and, and I highly, highly recommend it for a lot of you because I think it just gives you a much needed perspective on things. Like It's not necessarily going to be, it's not one of those autobiographies that just makes you feel shit forever feeling bad about yourself or anything uh, because that's not just not true. Like What we experience in life is completely subjective. What you see as pain and what someone else sees as pain is exactly the same feeling. It's exactly the same thing regardless of the circumstances in which you felt it. Yes, more extreme circumstances may lead or do definitely lead to more extreme repercussions from those circumstances. But as far as pain and pain, it's it's completely subjective from person to person. So don't. it's definitely not one of those books that kind of just makes you feel like crap for ever being unhappy or ever being sad. It's definitely not one of those books which I was concerned it was going to be. Um, it's a fantastic read that kind of gives you gives you a lot of uh a lot to think about a lot to think about it's like uh i uh i want to i want to there's countless takeaways that i could talk about there's countless takeaways that i could talk about talk about that from that book but i think a lot of them require the context of reading the book so i wanted to share one that kind of at least doesn't require the full context of reading the book and and that's what david describes as an after action report now an after action report is essentially just a debrief if any of you have played sport and at a, a moderate to amateur level, I'm sure you've done a debrief before where you, you know, maybe you lost a game or you lost a race or something and, and your coach made you go over what went well, what went wrong. It's essentially the same thing as that. So an after action report is military based in the sense that he would do them back in the military, but he introduced them into his own life for his failures. And one of the things that I really resonated with that for is, is, it comes back to my podcast that I did about my insecurities. And that podcast, by the way, has gotten such incredible reviews. So thank you so much for that. A lot of you coming back and, you know, because it, it, it was a big deal for, it was a big deal uh, releasing that one. A really big deal. I was, I was incredibly nervous. I had that episode written down as far as my ideas for weeks uh, in fact, I, I think I wrote it down like back when I was doing maybe episode four or five uh, because I made episode four, which was like focusing on positivity or focusing on your strengths or something like that. And from that idea, I kind of thought like it would be great to do a, an episode where I talk about some of the not so power, not some of my, you know, some of my negative attributes, some of my insecurities. Um, but I was so incredibly nervous about venting openly uh, about that sort of thing. I, it was also a little bit to do with the fact that I wanted to do the do the episode justice. You know, I wanted to make sure that I was, you know, understanding that that was a subject that 
needed to be done in the right way, but it was definitely a lot of just pure nerves as far as doing something so open. Um, so thank you so much for everyone who enjoyed that episode. But some, one of the things I talked about in that one is uh, the question that you ask yourself whenever you encounter something negative or the question that you ask yourself through whatever situation you're going through of how is this the best thing that's ever happened to me? You know, how is this breakup? How is this, you know, my boss firing me? How is, how is, uh, how is my anxiety? How is my depression? How is any of these things that are negative in my life? How are these failures? How are these, you know, insecurities? How are they the best thing that's ever happened to me? And one of the things that that does is not, not, it's not a morbid way of like forcing yourself to be positive because I hate that kind of forced positivity. I don't think that works. I think there is something to be said about, you know, I said this to a friend recently. It's like, I think there is something to be said about if you approach someone with a smile they're going to give you a smile back. If you approach someone with a big fat frown on your face and you throw nothing but negativity at them, you're going to have negativity thrown back. So there is a level of sometimes you've got to approach life with a an aura of positivity about you. But there, that's, there's a difference between that and forced positivity. So I don't, I definitely don't want it to come across like that. The question that it kind of reframes inside your mind is, is rather than how is how am I a failure? How am I? How is this negative? How how did I screw up here? It gets you to ask how can I learn from this? Or how is this the best thing that ever happened to me? Suddenly becomes how am I a better person because of that thing? And I think that's the reframing that kind of allows you to never really go through a negative situation. Of course, you still have to go through the situation. If you go through a breakup and you ask yourself, how can I be better because of this? That doesn't discount the breakup at all. If you go through depression and you come out the other side of it a better person, that doesn't discount the depression that you went through. Not at all. But it means that there's there's never, there's, there's never not a positive that can be drawn from any situation. And that in itself leaves you overall feeling much better about yourself, about your situation, about life, than you would be otherwise. And the after-action report essentially works in the same way. It's just a little bit more literal. So David asks you to, every time you fail, take yourself through an after-action report and go over the whole failure, seeing what went well and what went badly. He failed, for example, just to add some context. It's not spoiling the book because it's a true story, but he failed twice at his attempt to break the world record for the most amount of pull-ups in 24 hours. He failed once on live television and he failed another time privately in a gym that he, he, he had and he got nowhere near the record both times. The first time he missed out by about half, I think, and the second time he missed out by about 800 pull-ups or something like that, which is a lot to do. Uh, especially when you get to the point where your hand, like he, he pulled out essentially because the first time he couldn't lift his arms above his head and the second time his hands were being ripped open. Uh, so he got nowhere near the record both times. But one of the things that he did both times was took himself through an after action report. And both times he was able to take positives that he did well in those situations and compound them with the lessons that he learned from the failures, the things that didn't go well, and then come back to it a much stronger version of himself the next time he attempted it. And one of the things that I kind of took from that is the, the same idea that I just talked about is that it reframes failure. It changes the internal question that your mind jumps to, to 
of for fail failure it's like it reframes that failure question from i'm a failure to i'm going to be better because of this and i think that that's kind of a, a really a really strong really strong thing that you can do because you never really see a failure as a failure anymore you see a failure as an opportunity to learn you constantly see things as how can i be a better person on the other side of this how can i take this situation that is inherently a failure how can i take my mistakes and be better next time if i can't be better for them how can i be better for everyone else is a great thing i had a had a uh, that was one of the things the reframings in my mind i think especially for breakups in the past uh is that you know i kind of go through that period where you acknowledge the thing that you did wrong and then it's not a question of how can i it becomes the question of not how did I fuck up, how can I be better for them or how can I be better for everyone else? And I think that's a really powerful thing that you can start to start to do. <laughs> and and a reason why, because this is essentially just a book club segment here, but it's I highly recommend the book. I highly, highly recommend the book. Uh, I highly recommend listening to it uh, because like I said last week, uh, they... they um, he, it's kind of like a half podcast, half book. So I, I highly, highly, highly recommend that one for anyone that's interested in picking up a new book sometime soon or just interested in accompanying their running with anything. They're running. Did I say that weirdly? If you want a book that's going to accompany your running really, really nicely, that's a book that I, I really do recommend. I want to talk about this quickly because one, it's a nice way to segment off a serious topic before we go into another serious topic, but also because it's... um, it, I just... I am not, I was never a fan of Machine Gun Kelly. I've never been a fan of MGK. This is completely unrelated to what we normally talk about on the podcast, but this is, you know, I want to talk openly about things. I was a massive punk pop fan when I was a kid. I Write Sins, Not Tragedies was probably my favorite song. Panic at the Disco in general were my favorite band pretty much, pretty much from eight years old all the way to about 15 uh is it 1985 1985 is that the one i think that's the song there's like a song called 19 is it bowling for soup yes 1985 was another one like i have this funny story where i (laughs) and this is so embarrassing i think i would have been like six years old um yeah, I was really maybe five or six years old. And this was back when they had, uh, so they had stores dedicated just to music. It was called like, it wasn't Radiohead, was it? Or something. I don't know. There was there were these stores that were very, it was a big chain of stores. And, and I had this song that I'd heard on the radio and it was 1985 by Bowling for Soup. And I was obsessed with it, but I could only listen to it when it came on on the radio. So my parents at the time thought it would be a good idea to buy me the CDs. And this started this whole thing. I think I, if I go back and find, I've got all of the original Black Eyed Peas CDs, like Monkey Business and what's the one that has a blue cover? I can't remember the other one, but I, ha- I have a bunch of albums from all these, <laughs> all these bands from when I was younger. But the first one that started it off was... Uh, that song and I didn't know the name of the song I didn't know the name of the band all I knew was that I loved it every time it came on the radio and at that point I just about memorized all of the lines for it 
So I walked in, my parents took me to this store and I walked in and there was this girl at the cash register and I remember this clear as day, hell. This is probably one of my earliest memories. And she, my mum just sent me in there by myself. <laughs> I was like five or six years old and I walked up to the cash register and she's like, what What can I help you with? And I, I said, I need to find a song, but I don't know the name and I don't know the band. And she said, can you describe the song? Can you name any of the lyrics? And I started singing. <laughs> I started singing the song for this lady at the cash register and she found it and ended up selling me the album for 1985 or whatever album that particular song was part of. And that memory is so baked in my mind. I think I still know all the lyrics for that song just because of that memory is so strong. So I was a huge punk pop fan. Like a massive punk pop fan when I was little. I didn't even know really what punk pop was. But, you know, everyone kind of has their first encounter with music. Like they have their first powerful encounter with a movie or music or arts or whatever. And for me, it was punk pop. It was it was I Write Sins, Not Tragedies. It was uh, Fall Out Boy. Uh, what is it? Thanks for the Memories, Fall Out Boy. It was, yeah, 1985. It was just a bunch of those songs. And the reason why I bring this up is because MGK, someone who I'm not, I've not ever been a fan of, released a, an album this week. What was it? The album was Tickets to My Downfall, I think it is. Let me check. Tickets to My Downfall. Yeah, Machine Gun Kelly, Tickets to My Downfall. And... By pure chance, I was on Instagram and scrolling through and I saw a clip from his uh, music video for Bloody Valentine and I was like, no way, that's Machine Gun Kelly. So I pulled up the album and I swear to you, if you were at all a punk pop fan when you were a kid, if you had any any similarity to me as a kid, you will love this album. This album makes me feel like I'm 10 years old again. I've been listening to it on repeat over and over and over again because it genuinely actually like the nostalgia that I'm feeling listening to this music is in like it is such a good album and I've never been a MGK fan hell I'm the biggest I'm one of the biggest Eminem fans there is so there was definitely that tension between MGK and Eminem and there were probably are some Eminem fans in here being like fuck MGK no way I'm not listening to him this album man this album is so so good so I don't know why I'm giving this guy free promo on the podcast. I don't have any reason to. I don't even really care for him as an artist, but I love this album and it is so, so good and it's making me feel like I'm 10 years old and that's fucking awesome. So if you were at all a pop punk fan, I'm sorry that this has become a... a, I'm sorry I needed to bring this up on the podcast, but I needed to bring it up because I'm not hanging out with mates so I can't get around and, and blast music in the backyard of someone's house. I have to vent my new music interests on a on a podcast once a week so i just wanted to bring that up because i thought it was interesting and i'm probably going to finish this podcast throw my headphones back on and start jamming out to some more mgk so you know that's how it is (laughs) i wanted to talk about this as well this podcast is kind of just becoming uh talking about random topics over and over again but i have a few i had a few topics that i wanted to talk about and like i said last week there's no real there was no really there was not really one topic that was kind of at the forefront of my mind kind of driving what I wanted to speak about so there was just a few topics that I was like I can touch on these and it'll be valuable and and a good good way to 
it, it all comes back to the consistency thing that I talked about. And I'm actually bringing this up because of that reason, but it all comes back to that consistency thing. I had a conversation with um, a friend of mine this week who's an artist on Instagram as well. He's a photographer. And he was talking to me about how he uh, is concerned about engagement. He's concerned about the, you know, he's concerned about each of his posts being up to a certain level as far as reaching a level of engagement that he's happy with. And and one of the things that I said to him is that, uh, you know, there's there's this overbearing feeling of all or nothing with creatives, especially now with creatives, especially on Instagram. I'm sure it happens on YouTube. I probably just don't have the experience. This is probably just something that happens in general with creatives. I know my musician friends are very much like this. It's an all or nothing mentality, which inherently damages their potential for success. But he, yeah, he was telling me about how he, he struggles with not a level of perfectionism, but an expectation that he has to be at least at a certain level for him to be sharing his content. And one of the things I drew the parallel between that was my... One of the things that I have learned, because this is something that I experienced, this is something that for a lot of last year, I barely barely posted any of my work last year on Instagram. I was super inconsistent and I just wasn't, it It got to the point where it just didn't interest me. A lot of that disinterest though was because my expectations were way too high. My expectations were so high and I had this mentality of if it's not to this level, then I don't do anything at all, which is so counterproductive, it's not funny. It is so, so counterproductive. I had a uh, and I and I drew the I drew the parallel between that and and my Ironman training or my my running in general and and anyone who exercises this is a really good if there's anyone in here who is a creator and someone who's very passionate about exercise this is going to be a really really this is going to at least if it has the same effect that it's had on me it should should leave you feeling pretty <laughs> pretty understanding of where my head's at as far as this thing so i i got i got really caught in in what you call like a niche like you get caught in a box of what is okay and not okay for you to post as far as your brand image or whatever it is and it got to the point where if i post and this still happens if i post a portrait on my instagram i lose hundreds of followers straight away without a, like my chart will be going up it'll be a nice gradual go up i'll post a portrait it'll dip for a day and then go back up to where it was before it's bizarre but that's the way it is on instagram but one of the mentality changes that i've been through this year or been through generally because of my training i have to attribute a lot of this to my training is that in order to, for you to be successful, in order for you to be consistent, you have to acknowledge that you're not going to be able to output at perfect every single time. In fact, by not outputting at perfect every single time, you are more consistent and outputting more than you would be if you had that all or nothing mentality. I said to Chester, I was like, I'm sorry, just doxed him, but I was speaking to Chester and I said to him, I was like, if you, for example, if I, and here's the, the analogies that I gave him, I said to him that if I have the, if I have the ability 
to run a 421 minute per average, 421 minute per kilometer average over 20 kilometers. My fastest 20K is like a 126 something, which is 420s or 125 or 124, something around there. I would be able to get the actual number up. But the thing that I said to him, I was like, I have the ability to run that. That crushes me. Every single time I've done that, every time I've gone for a maximum 20K, it has crushed me. If I was only able to run when I was outputting that maximum, I would never be able to back up my runs enough for me to build the aerobic base to compete in an Ironman. For me to get the training volume in that's necessary for me to get fit enough to compete... I have to bring, I have to, I have to bring my output down. So I actually run, when I go for a run now, I run at about 50 to 60% of what my maximum capacity is. My average pace on most of my runs, regardless of the distance, I could be going out for a 10K, my average pace is around 5 minutes and 10 seconds per kilometer, which by all me, by every standard is very slow. That's actually about, you know, if I wanted to, my goal is to run a sub three hour marathon. If I want to run a sub three hour marathon, I have to run at an average of 4.15 or lower. So I'm actually running almost a minute slower per kilometer for most of my training than I would be at my absolute fastest. And the reason for that is because I have to focus on being consistent. So for me to output consistency, it is more important for me to lower my percentage to about 60 to 70% and do it multiple times per week than output one big 100% effort and then have three or four days off. Now here's the parallel that I'm drawing here. If you're so concerned about focusing on perfection, if you're so concerned about nothing but perfection, you're never actually going to be consistent enough for you to reach success. If you post, let's say, for example, and I hate using the word post because it goes so much deeper than Instagram and I hope that this kind of comes across that way. This is so much deeper than just what you do on Instagram. I don't really give a shit about how how to work within your niche or any of that bullshit, but I think this is important to explain because this is about being an artist. If you create five days a week and each of those days that you create, you create something at 50% of your capacity, you're creating or outputting 250% per week. Whereas if you output once every fortnight or once every month at 100%, that's that's less output than if you just take your output down to 50%. And that's why this is so obvious to me this year is because training has obviously been a very big part of my life and one of the things that I noticed when I injured myself back in if you've been a long time follower of the podcast I'm doing much better now by the way uh, I developed a stress fracture in my shin because I took the mentality that I'd taken towards my creativity into my training and was so focused on a perfect output every time I left the house that I actually injured myself and it's the same thing with your creativity. If you have, if you want any chance in being successful, you actually have to lower your output. And this is all up to you. This is all where you need to be aware of what you're capable of is figure out what your percentage is. For some people who've been doing this for a while, and that's the thing as well, you can't ever compare 
your output to someone else's output because someone else's output might take into consideration the fact that they've been doing this for long enough that what may seem like 100% to you is actually much closer to 50% for them. That's just down to skill and time and effort and the way people do things, the way that they enjoy doing things for how long they've been doing it. If I look at someone like Shortstash or Garrett King, if I look at his work and I look at how much he outputs on a weekly basis, that is what I would consider 100%. But that's not that's not his 100%. That's probably closer to his 50 or 60 or 70%. Of course, he puts his absolute best into everything he does and that's important as well i think there's a difference between perfect and your best does that make sense when i tell when someone tells you to output your best when someone tells you to do your best that needs to take the whole picture into consideration that needs to take the entire picture into consideration so if your best is outputting three times a week at 70 percent rather than 100 percent then that three times a week is just as considerable or needs to be considered just as much as this 70% does because there's no point in you focusing on 100% and never outputting enough for you to be successful. It annoys me so much and it annoyed me personally for a very long time is that I was so concerned about focusing on perfect that I never output it enough to do anything anyway. You know, that all or nothing mentality is so counterproductive because it literally is, I'm only going to output when I output at 100% and the rest of the time I'm not going to do anything, which isn't helping you get any better. It's not helping your work be seen by more people. It's not doing anything for you besides holding you back from creating more. Think about it like this. If you create three times a week at 50% of your capacity for the next 52 weeks or for the next year, or you created 100% of your capacity for every fortnight for the next year. You creating at 50% three times a week as opposed to once every fortnight is going to make you so much better over the course of a year than outputting once every fortnight. Because by doing it three times a week over the next 52 weeks or the next year, that 50% is going to go from what was your 50% to closer to your 70 or 80% by the end of the year. And suddenly you're outputting at what was your 50% here, but is your 70 or 80% down the line three times a week rather than outputting it once, once a fortnight. This is all a little bit of mental arithmetic, but it kind of makes sense inside my own head. What I'm trying to describe here is be consistent at all costs. Consistency at all costs. This is a common thread that I've spoken about a couple of times in this podcast. I know but consistency at all costs, at all costs. It's like this podcast. This podcast is probably not my best. <laughs> I'm well aware that it's probably not my best. Last week, I was really happy with the podcast and you guys seem happy with it as well. The views are insane on it, but this podcast is probably not my best. Do I give a shit? No, because I made it. You know what I mean? Like, what benefit would I have gained from focusing on doing nothing but outputting at 100% this week? I would have sat down. I would have realized that I don't have something set in stone. I don't have a, like a really strong topic to talk about this week. And I wouldn't have made it. And then my output would have been zero. A big fat donut. Fucking zero. As opposed to outputting what is, you know, let's call this one 70%. Let's call today's podcast a 70 out of a 70 out of 100 
A 70 out of 100 is a fuckload better than a 0 out of 100. And that's the point that I'm trying to get at here is that so many people are caught up focusing on 100 that they output nothing. Your focus might be perfect, but that doesn't make your work perfect. In fact, it makes it zero. If you're so focused on 100% that you never do anything, your output isn't 100%. Your output is fucking donuts. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm getting passionate and starting to swear, but it seemed necessary for this point because I think this does, it paralyzes a lot of people. And it comes back to what I spoke about at the start of the podcast. It's, it's, Something that's become so obvious this year is how ridiculous it is to weigh your execution on your creativity on a very fleeting and almost random response from a social media platform. You know, I've been doing Instagram for almost four years now. And over those four years, I've managed to build a little bit of an audience. Now, I'm under no illusion that a lot of my content that I post today, if I was to start posting it today on a fresh account, it would not get the response that it gets on my account currently because my account has four years of content and four years of engagement and four years of work to build up to this point. So me posting, say, my podcast episodes on YouTube, for example, I, post, I posted my first podcast clip on YouTube this week. It got six views. Six views. Now, I could see that in two ways. I could see that as I posted my first podcast clip, or I could see that as I got six views. I see that as I got my first podcast clip up. I'm stoked. That's awesome. I'm going to post another one next week, and that'll be two posts a week on my podcast channel, and like 100% more output than I was the week before. I'm stoked on that. that. That excites the fuck out of me. Or I could see it as the other way, which is I got six views. That's the kind of thing that I'm trying to talk about is that you you cannot you cannot weigh your you cannot weigh your decision making process as far as doing something on how well it'll perform it just it's not going to work it's never going to work never ever going to work i want to finish this podcast with or finish it because this will probably turn into a pretty long conversation but i want to talk about my uh my photoshop course that i've been I've been doing. It's not going to be an ad for it, but I wanted to talk about the just bring it back to the the original topic that we talked about is is that I, I think that it's something that I've I've been deliberating over for a very long time and I and I kind of want you to take this as far as what's something that you've been saying you'll do for a very long time and not actually doing what's something that you've told yourself over and over and over again that you're going to do it but never actually sat down and just done it like each of us have those things in our own life those things that we kind of always expect to do someday you know for me i've been i've been deliberating over this for pretty much the last 18 months i reckon i can confidently say that this photoshop course has been something that i have been laboring over in my own mind for the last 18 months now it's a combination of things it was partly you know i'm partly glad that i did it now because i think right now i'm the most confident in my own work and i don't think i could have done the course i think that i could have created the content i don't think i'm i don't think the content's gotten any better in the last 18 months of course, I've gotten better at using Photoshop. Of course, I've gotten better. But what I mean is I don't think my knowledge, I don't think what I could have brought to the table is 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 
That's actually not fair to say. I don't agree with that at all. I think what I'm bringing to the table now is the best it was ever going to be or the best it has been by a long shot. I think that even if I had created this course six months ago, it wouldn't be as good as it is right now. But I think what I'm trying to say is there's no reason why I couldn't have made it 12 months ago. There's also the the element of, you know, I wanted it to work. I wanted it to be something that was going to work well. But I think the underlying thing is that it genuinely just got to the point. There's no... There's no, there's no, ex, there's no extenuating circumstances as to why I'm doing it right now. There's no, there's no external push. There's no financial pressure. There's no reason why I'm doing this right now over any other moment. The only difference is I recognized two weeks ago when I finally sat down and was like, okay, you need to do this. I kind of realized that if you don't do this right now, it's not going to happen. Because right now, I don't have any of my clients breathing down my neck. I don't have any external pressures. I'm not traveling. I don't have any of the excess going on in my life. And I knew that if I don't do it now, if I don't take this opportunity by the horns now, it's never going to happen. It's never, ever going to happen. And I want you to ask yourselves, What's that thing for you? Because I think everyone has them. Everyone has these things that are their someday projects. You know, the things that they they plan on doing eventually, the things that they would love to do in the future. The thing that you're always bringing up at parties is a, I would love to do that someday. Maybe it's as big as, you know, I would love to change careers someday. Um, Someday I would love to try music. I would love to try photography. I would love to try my hand at doing this as a career. You know, we all have those things. And I want to try and tell you that no one's an exception to that rule. I am certainly not an exception to that rule. There's plenty of things that are my someday things. You know, the Ironman, even though I haven't done it yet, I plan on doing it. But that was something always, that was something in my mind that was always a someday thing. That was a, that was a, eventually I'll do that. And this podcast, or sorry, the podcast, the podcast was one as well. This entire podcast was a someday project. And my Photoshop course was probably the biggest someday project that I've done. And there was no special planning. There was no great timing. There was no opportunity that came along. There was no, you know, there was no guarantee of success. There was nothing that came along except for the fact that I just went, if you don't do this, it's never going to happen. And I threw myself in the deep end. I just threw myself in the deep end and I decided that I'm just going to throw myself in and I'm going to learn to swim. You know, I I don't think... I, I like... For example, I... I you know, I started, I started two weeks ago with the intention of, okay, I'll make tutorials. You know, I'll make tutorials. I'll throw myself in the deep end and I'll figure it out. I'll make tutorials. And those tutorials turned into two or three hours. And then I was like, okay, well, I might as well make a course. And now I'm going on and I'm going to make five or six separate courses. Obviously, the one is the main one, but then there's five or six separate options that you can choose from specific to your circumstances or specific to what you need. And all of that has happened because I just started. All of that has happened because I just threw myself in the deep end and decided to learn how to swim rather than planning and perfectly organizing my technique and buying flotation devices and a perfect wetsuit and figuring out what I need to do exactly to swim. I just threw myself in the deep end and figured it out. And I think that that's something that a lot of you especially You know, if you're a listener to this podcast, you quite clearly care about this sort of thing. And I'm sure there's a lot of you that have your someday projects. You have those things that you would love to do eventually. 
what I'm trying to tell you here is fucking do it. <laughs> Just throw yourself in the deep end and learn how to swim. Because it's, I haven't even released it yet. And it has been so rewarding to actually do one of those things. You know, starting this this podcast in, in April was such a incredible feeling for me because it has been something or it was something that was kind of part of those group of things that I would love to do eventually. So starting it was kind of like, oh, you can do this. You know, you can throw yourself in the deep end. You can just start things and figure it out afterwards. You know, the Ironman training as well. It's like I just decided 18, what is it, almost 12 months ago now when I was living in St. Kilda, so probably a little bit less than 12 months ago, I just decided that I wasn't very fit. I didn't like the way that my training was going. I wasn't enjoying going to the gym. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do an Ironman. And admittedly, it was something that has always been on my bucket list of things to do, but it was something that I just threw myself in the deep end because it's always been a would love to do down the line. And every single time I've sort of just done these things and thought about it later, it's always ended in at least, at the very least, an amazing feeling of thank you for actually doing what you're going to say. And I think that that's kind of a a thing that we can talk about as well is you've got to build credibility with yourself. I love the idea of, you know, people, you demand respect from other people, but why don't you demand respect from yourself? I've always been of the opinion that I have to earn my own respect because I expect that from other people. It's like, why should I, why should I demand that other people earn my respect if I don't do it to myself? And doing these things, doing these someday projects, throwing yourself in the deep end or just doing what you say you're going to do is a very simple way of building credibility with yourself. If you're the kind of person that you say you're going to do things and you never actually end up doing it, if, you, if you're if you always telling yourself you're someday going to do something or you're telling yourself that you'll, you would love to do something, but then you're never doing it, that's building a lack of credibility with yourself. You know, that's telling yourself, hey, you're someone who says you're going to do a lot and never actually does anything. You're the kind of person that always talks about the things that they're going to do and never actually does that. How good do you reckon that's going to be for your confidence? You know, that's going to leave you doubting yourself. That's going to leave you as someone who doesn't believe in themselves. You know, I, I find it ridiculous that, you know, this is something that you have to get better at. There's so many things in life that we kind of, you know, it's kind of, expected that it's just something that you're born with you know the whole idea of discipline and the whole idea of a work ethic or anything it's like it's not it's not you can't you have to you have to get good at that and you can get good at that just like you can get better at editing just like you can get better at filmmaking or photography or exercising whatever it is just like you can get better at those things you can turn yourself into a more disciplined person you can turn yourself into a more motivated person you can turn yourself into someone who has respect and someone who respects themselves and someone who's confident and someone who is proud of the person that they are you can turn yourself into that person it just takes work (laughs) and it just takes actually doing the things that you said you were going to do it's like don't be surprised if you're that type of person who always says they're going to do something and then never does it and then doesn't do something you know, you haven't built up a reputation with yourself yet. You haven't built up any reason why your mind should feel like you're going to do something. It's the same way you wouldn't trust another person. If someone let you down, 
and then you were expected to trust them automatically again, that would be ridiculous. But if you let yourself down, you are expected to trust yourself again. I wouldn't trust myself. If I let myself down, if I wrote something down in my to-do list and I didn't do it, I wouldn't trust myself to do the next thing that I write in my to-do list. It's kind of like the idea that I spoke about. I spoke about this ages ago. I think it's in the Iron Man episode about my Iron Man training, but it's the idea of, you know, if you blow off a training session, that now gives you the option to blow off another one. You know, if you if you're the type of person that if you let's just be blunt with it, it's like if you don't show up to a training session, then the next day when you go to train, you've now got that option to blow it off. If I went for a run and I told myself that I was going to run 20Ks and I ran 10Ks and then I was like, oh, I don't really feel like doing the rest. I'm going to call an Uber. Suddenly calling an Uber halfway through my run and getting a lift home is an option. It's the same thing with your own credibility, with your work, with your passions, even the things you enjoy doing. I love doing this shit. I love doing this shit. I've loved recording all of the the workshops and the courses this week because it brings me a lot of fulfillment knowing that I'm going to help people do something. That brings me a lot of joy. I really enjoy teaching. I don't know why. It's something that I, I'm, I'm passionate about helping other people do something that they want to do. It's why I've struggled creating digital products in the past it's why i've sort of spent a lot of time trying to figure out what would work best for me is because a lot of the normal like filters and and LUTs and that sort of stuff i i appreciate it i'm sure that there's people that are super passionate about helping people create beautiful images and all that sort of stuff i'm not doubting that in the slightest but i think for me to to be confident in my own work, I need to know that this is something that's going to be incredibly valuable for that person. And that's why a lot of the digital products, me moving as a business owner into the online space is definitely in line with how can this product turn this person into a better creator? How can this product help this person make more money? One of the one of the other ones that I spoke about is, is the pitch decks that I'm going to be selling very soon. Those are products that if you buy it, you will make more money. <laughs> if you buy my pitch decks and you start sending those pitch decks to all of your clients, you're going to get more clients who say yes because you're going to come across as more professional. It's as simple as that. That's something that I can be confident in. That's something that I can be incredibly confident in. Me selling you something that's, again, I don't want to bash anyone who does, but me selling a LUT, for example, is not something that I could be confident in. It's just not. Like, I don't, it's not something that I could get behind and be honest with. And it just, it just isn't. That's not my character. But I really enjoy teaching someone how to do something or sharing knowledge is probably a better one because I don't enjoy making tutorials. But the idea of someone, you know, the idea of someone using the course to accomplish something, that brings me a lot of joy. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to talk about that as well because I just, I don't know. I think that, I think that this year, you know, we'll finish the way we started. I think that this year has been very at least for people living in Melbourne, because I fully acknowledge that the rest of the world is kind of back to normal already. But I think that one of the things that I've experienced this year is that the excess has disappeared. You know, the distractions, the exciting parts, the travel, the 
the lifestyle, the the expectations, everything's kind of the excess of life has been removed and you're left with nothing but the raw essentials. You're left with nothing but the bare minimum for what you need to get done. And it has been tough. I don't want to kind of sound like I'm, you know, making making light of a negative situation. Not at all. It has been tough. It's really tough. You know, like I've for every positive day that I have, I have just as many negative days through this through this year. And there are days where I'm like, fuck this year. And then there's days where I'm really thankful for like for it like today. Um, but I think that one of the overall things that I've acknowledged is that it's it's honed my, it's given me tunnel vision. And I think the reason why it's given me tunnel vision is because it's removed everything else. It's removed all the distractions. It's removed everything that was kind of pulling my attention in different directions and given me nothing but my why and my work. And I think that that's kind of a, a cool opportunity that wouldn't have happened if, if this year had a panned out differently. You know, who knows? Maybe if this year had a panned out normally, I, I would have had some amazing opportunities and all that sort of stuff. I'm sure. I'm sure. But I, I have to at least take that as a positive for this year so i think i'm gonna leave it at that because i don't know how long i've been running but how long how long have we been doing this podcast for almost an hour i think it's been but yeah i i just want to uh i want to thank you for listening i don't know how (laughs) i don't know how good this episode's gonna be but i feel like we had a we had a, a good few weeks of some really ripper episodes and i was really happy with some of those episodes so i'm okay with throwing out a 70 percenter you know putting out something that's not my best work but i'm happy that i showed up and and did it and i hope that you guys can kind of you know if you are listening to this part of it and and you're concerned about doing something to the best of your ability and and only doing something to the best of your ability just know that this is not the best of my ability you know i uh, this is definitely a 70 percent day and i want you guys to hear that because i want you to know that I do think about it. I'm not just talking about these things and then never acknowledging them again. This is something that I have genuinely consider every single time I sit down and make something is, is this going to be a full 100%er or is this going to be something that's I'm, I'm going to put my, my best that I have today into it? You know, every single time I share a piece of work, every single time I make something, every single time I do anything, you know, publicly, it's always the question of what, what level is this? You know, am I phoning it in or is this something that I'm really proud of? And I think recently, probably one of the reasons why I've been feeling so positive or feeling so optimistic or feeling so motivated is because I've just gone through a period of, I've definitely gone through a period of more hundred more that's more work that's closer to a hundred percent. And that's just pure timing. It ebbs and flows. Life, life comes and goes in waves it comes and goes in waves. Oh my God, I need to cut that part out. But life does. It li- Life ebbs and flows. And sometimes you're going to go through weeks or days or months even where you're outputting 100% and you feel invincible and everything feels great. But just as quickly as those times come up, you're going to go through times where, hey, 60% is all you got. So play with that you know you're going to go through times where it's even worse you're going to go through times where you've just got to show up you know you just got to show the fuck up and that's okay that's okay because if you show the fuck up and you put out 60 percent, that's a hell of a lot better than zero 
you know, getting up off the couch and going for a jog, even though you might not have ran a half marathon, even though you might not have broken a PB, getting up and going for a jog compared to sitting on the couch is a massive change. In fact, it's more of a change than it would be compared to going for a jog and sprinting at your maximum capacity. Me going and out, me going out for a run and running at a 5.10 pace and then me going out for a run and running at a 4.21 pace, which is my max, that's this much of a difference. But me sitting on the couch and me running at a 5.10 pace might be this much of a difference. And that's kind of the point that I was trying to get at before, but my brain wouldn't go there is is the difference between not acting and acting is a much bigger difference than acting and your maximum. So you showing up is a fuckload better than you showing up perfectly. A massive difference, a massive, massive difference is you simply showing up is way more beneficial for you than outputting at 100%. Yes, outputting at 100% is nice. Yes, doing your absolute best is going to lead to better results. I do acknowledge those things. I also acknowledge the fact that you cannot, you know, I get asked all the time about how, you know, are you ever worried that the market's oversaturated? Are you ever worried that there's so many artists out there? Are you ever worried that there's so many photographers? And I'd say the same thing every 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 single time. I say that yes, there is a yes, there's an abundance of people doing this, but there's not an abundance of talent. There's an abundance of people doing this, but there is not an abundance of high quality work. So if you focus on being high quality, then you're going to stand above the abundance of people doing it. You know, I I I think that I think that life needs to be led on the fringes. You know, if you're an artist, you need to be focused on either being the cheapest option or the best option. You can't work in the middle. You know, you can't be that person that's work is eh, okay and they're also kind of expensive. You can't do that. It's not going to work. But if you're someone whose work is so fantastic that people are going to pay whatever they need to pay to have you do their work, then you're going to succeed. But you're also going to succeed if you're the person that's just flat out the cheapest. But that's a decision that you need to make. That's a decision that you need to decide on. Is like, are you going to be the best or are you going to be the cheapest? Now, this needs to be drawn as a parallel because I think the money comparison is easy to draw. It's easy to, easy to compare, you know, cheapest option for premium option. That's really easy to compare. But what I'm trying to say here is that as long as you focus on getting better, as long as your primary focus is on making your work the best that you can possibly do, then you're going to, you know, you're you're going to set yourself apart from the oversaturated market. But that best, your best needs to take everything into consideration. Because if your best means that you only make once a year, then you need to rethink what the whole consideration is because your best needs to also take into consideration how often you show up. You know, if you're making a podcast, showing up once a year is not good enough. If you're making a blockbuster movie, showing up once a year is actually quite high. So you need to take into consideration what that is. So if I'm taking into consideration this podcast, me showing up once a week is the bare minimum, the bare minimum. So if in order for me to show up once a week, I need to output at 70%, that's my best. Does that make sense? 
It's like 70% is my best for the entire circumstances being taken into consideration. You know, if I take into consideration the fact that I need to show up once a week, I need to be able to edit in time and I need to output it every single week. I said the same thing twice, but you know what I mean? If I take all of those things into consideration, then 70% is my magic number. And 70% is actually my very best. But if I decided that 100% is the exception, if I decided that 100% is the only thing that I can do, and that's without exception, the rule for how much I can create, I have to create, and the only time I can create is if it's 100%, then I'm not going to meet the requirements or I'm not going to meet the requirements of all the other circumstances that need to be in line for me to have success in that particular field. So if you're a photographer on Instagram, and let's bring it specifically back to my friend, if you're a photographer on Instagram, then you need to show up a minimum. Let's say I don't want to add numbers to this because I think it's bullshit. Because if you're if you're so if your work is so incredible that it doesn't matter where, how often you show up, then that's another rule. But those are exceptions to the rule. So let's say you need to show up three times a week. If in order for you to show up three times a week, your work needs to be at sixty percent, then that's your magic number. You know, for me, I know for a fact that if I want to run a uh, if I want to do an Ironman, I need to run at least 70 kilometers a week. And in order for me to run 70 kilometers a week without getting injured and without draining myself so far into the hole that I get overtrained, I need to run at a 5.10 pace. Even though a 5.10 pace is very fucking easy. It's very easy for me to run that. In fact, it's I, I finish training sessions most of the time and I'm like, oh, we're done already? Right, okay, cool. That's kind of irrelevant because for me to reach that 70%, that magic number, then 510 pace is also the magic number associated with the entire picture taken into consideration. We finished with a little bit of a rant. We started with a rant and we finished with a rant. That's how we do things on here. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Um, I, I, you know, I've said this every week and I'm going to continue saying it because it seems to be working. If you've enjoyed this episode or if you've enjoyed any episodes of the podcast so far, the number one thing you could do to support me and to support this this channel, support this podcast, or just support me personally is by sharing it with a friend. Share it with someone you think may appreciate it. Share it with someone you think may enjoy it. Share it with someone who just has too much free time. And I would really, really appreciate it. The podcast has been growing. Our numbers are increasing and increasing every single week. The amount of people who are really quick to watch the episodes. So we haven't increased massively on the amount of numbers, the raw numbers coming into the podcast. But there's so much more of you or so many more people watching it as soon as it goes live. So as soon as the podcast goes up on Anchor, I see an immediate spike in numbers. And that that particular number is growing every week. And I'm so, so thankful for you guys. I think that comes down to the consistency thing. You know, there hasn't been a single week that we've missed that upload time of, of between 12 and 1 p.m. If I miss the upload time, it's because Anchor's annoying and it takes about... You know, it, it's like a random amount of time between when I post on Anchor and when the podcast goes live on Spotify. So I apologize for that. Um, but I will endeavor every single week to have this up between 12 and 12.30 on Monday morning Australian time or whatever time that is, wherever you are in the world. Look it up. <laughs> if you don't know what time that is in your time, look it up. But thank you so much for listening. As always, you know, you don't need to do any of that because I'm not your dad. You don't have to do anything I tell you to do. And I'll speak to you guys next week.
Thank you.